1: Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay.
0: Under that sea. Under the sea. Under the sea. Under the sea. da 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 da
1: Dedu- that day, all day
0: out in the sun they slave away that's, something or that... something
1: something or something under the that's one of i think every i think the most common answer to your favorite disney movie is usually that
0: or aladdin or aladdin from our generation or i guess you're a different generation than me maybe anyway, yeah from our age group i'd say
1: i'm personally not a fan
0: of little mermaid
1: yeah what's the what's the message Josh, you're not good enough as you are. You should change to something else to have a happier life and give up your old one. Like, what?
0: (laughs) No, doesn't she learn to appreciate her old? No, she really doesn't. As a human. (laughs) Yeah, she really doesn't. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. I
1: do think Ursula's one of the greatest villains, though, in all, all of Disney franchises. Especially that last fight scene. Oh, my goodness. Well, and she's a great singer.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: absolutely. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? You are listening slash watching uh, the Disney Zone podcast. <laughs> Just kidding, the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Hey, hey, have you seen the new Game Nights episode, everyone?
0: You should. You should You should probably stop and watch it right now, because we're going to talk about the deck that Jimmy played in that episode. Are we going to yep. worry about spoiling the Game Nights not thing? at or this we're point, not? The, no. The deck that, so. um, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Game Nights, I'm about to spoil it. So, pause, go watch it, and then come back. Okay, I'm assuming everyone that's still here doesn't mind spoilers. This is the game-winning deck from hey. the most recent Game Nights, where we played all the new multicolored legendaries from Rivals of Ixalan.
1: And you know, critics are touting this Game Nights as one of the best episodes ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> critics' Choice Award.
0: Uh, it is Kumena, Tyrant of Oraska. Jimmy yeah. playing Simic.
1: Yeah, for the first time, just pure Simic. Uh, I People are regarding this as potentially the best Murphal commander of all time. I think it probably is. I think, it's, I think if you put a couple of disclaimers around it, you can definitely make that case. And we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. But before we get into it, let's talk about the sponsors for the show. CardKingdom.com slash zone. That's the affiliate link to go buy your singles, to go buy your Kamenas, your Kumena sleeves, your Kamena deck boxes. Kamena, not
0: cheap right now, not, as it turns yeah, out. Yeah, it turns
1: out that this card being three mana and very powerful is actually great in standard and I think it's going to be... Maybe
0: modern even? Maybe, yeah. Who's I can only there? imagine that's the reason that it's like $24 right now.
1: Yeah, it's 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 up there. But, you know, all of the Rivals of big cards. Lots of really great cards that we're going to talk about some of them today. Go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone to buy it and uh, use our affiliate link.
0: Yep, you're going to buy magic cards anyway. If you use the affiliate link when you do, you're keeping the podcast and game nights on the air. The other way to support the show is by supporting our other sponsor, which is Ultra Pro. You know, Ultra Pro makes all of the themed stuff for every set. So every new set that comes out, Ultra Pro is releasing a bunch of new products that is themed to the new set. So I've got a Lenda here. That was my deck. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this guy's name? Angrath. Angrath. And then Kumena, Jimmy, you can get deck box and sleeves that's for this deck. And It's there's actually also, really
1: fun to whip out my Kumena deck, and it's in the sleeves in the deck box. It's like, I, who am I playing? You know.
0: I love that. Uh, that's one of the upsides of having Ultra Pro as our sponsor is that like, when we do build these decks, it's like you get all the stuff. You get the playmat yeah. and everything <laughs> too, so I like that. And the final way to support the show is directly on patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Caleb, Caleb Tucker.
1: Tucker Caleb, you rock. You do rock. And also we are we are 5 episodes away from episode 200. Oh, we are crap. still we still have no idea what we want to do for that episode. We want to do something special, something fun. So if you have any ideas that is not live building a deck on the live stream, <laughs> let us know in the comments, email us, tweet us all that good stuff.
0: Really do want some suggestions on what we should do for episode 200 because we're out of ideas. Yeah. Some, somebody come up with something good, please. Uh,
1: we always are looking for ideas anyway. So if you even have episode ideas, you know, just hey, hit, 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 hit us up. All okay. ideas <laughs> are good ideas. Uh,
0: I mean, all ideas are ideas. There we go. Okay.
1: <laughs> all opinions are valid, but it doesn't mean they're right. Okay, moving on. Kumena, tyrant of Araska. Now, this card uh, is very interesting because it has a ton of text, but it also has something that makes me very happy, which is Kumena is a card that doesn't have uh, a very high casting cost. And that, for me, is very important as a commander. We always talk about, hey, look, if your commander is a CMC 3 card, you should build your deck around that to get it out. You don't need Signets as much in that deck necessarily because you're not trying to ramp out a 4-drop commander, which is what Signets do. So, Kumena, uh, you want to read it, Josh? has a lot of text. I do want
0: to read it, but how do I
1: bring up the... Um... Card text. Beep, beep.
0: Oh, all right. Sorry. I'm still learning how to use this new app that we're going to use to <laughs> Josh. read cards on it. I'm not texting. I'm reading the cards. Okay. Kumena, Tyrant of Araska. Legendary creature, a merfolk shaman. It costs one green blue, so three mana total for a 2 4. It has a bunch of text, three activated abilities. One is you tap another untapped merfolk you control, and Kumena can't be blocked this turn. So that's a way to just make Kumena only unblockable. I know um, a lot of people get confused that you can make your other. Creatures unblockable. You can't. You can only make Kumena unblockable. But you have to tap another untapped creature. You control. Right. You can't tap Kumena to make Kumena unblockable. I guess. Which makes sense. I guess because then makes you couldn't sense. attack. Um, you can also tap three untapped Merfolk you control to draw a card. Now this one you can tap Kumena as one of the three. Yeah. Merfolk. So you just need two other Merfolk with Kumena to draw a card. And then you can also tap five untapped Merfolk you control and then put a plus one plus one counter on each merfolk you control so you don't put a plus one plus one counter on all your creatures only on your merfolk right and you need to tap five merfolk now something about these abilities all three of them you can tap a creature you just played summoning sickness doesn't matter because this isn't giving an ability to a creature this is kumena like forcibly
1: tapping the thing right if you look at where the colon is on the tax uh, on the text it says tap another untapped merfolk you control colon. So that is actually the activation cost. If you look on other cards, you'll see that colon pop up and that is not like text that's being added to a card. Again, that's just something you can do to a card. Uh, to activate it. Um, now, throughout the history of Magic, blue is the primary car- color for Merfolk. And then you have a decent number of green cards, much thanks to rivals of Ixalan and Ixalan. And a very small portion of them are white, black, and even red. Yeah, I think
0: white's probably the next most yeah. uh, from like Lorwyn block or something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were a little bit upset that this wasn't a Bant commander. Uh, but that wouldn't make sense, obviously, for the Ixalon block because in Ixalon, yeah. Merfolk are not in white. Yep,
1: but this deck this deck is asking to be Murfolk Tribal. Now, the way I approached it when I built it is, when you're looking at Kumena, you have to kind of realize that while all three of the abilities are very powerful and very cool in different ways, you're never going to be you know consistently using all three of them necessarily. Uh, and so, I actually looked at Kumena kind of like she was a Planeswalker, in that her first ability to tap another untap Murfolk to make her unblockable is like the Planeswalker's plus one. It's a Ability that is not necessarily the most powerful thing in the world, but it's still pretty good. And the second ability, I viewed it as sort of like the minus one or minus two on the Planeswalker, which is tapping three untapped Merfolk to draw a card. You know, you get a benefit out of this, but you also leave yourself a little more open, which is usually what a minus ability on the Planeswalker does. And then Kamina's ultimate would be tapping five Merfolk to put a plus one, plus one counter on each Merfolk you control, which is very similar to a lot of different Planeswalker abilities, but most importantly, you're just... It's a very best-case scenario. And, like... What, the five? Yeah, because we were talking about this. If you're doing that, you should be winning anyway with a bunch of Merfolk on the board. I feel like if
0: you have five Merfolk on the board, you're... Like, what does the board have to look like where you're willing to do that? that tap yeah. all five of them to put a plus one, plus one. You want to, because we're going to talk about a bunch of merfolk later, but merfolk have a tendency to, they're not vanilla creatures usually. They do stuff.
1: They almost all do stuff. And I'd so rather you, have six merfolk to tap them draw two cards, not yeah, a plus one, exactly. Yeah, zone, you
0: know? so it's, it's interesting. I like the looking at it like a Planeswalker thing. And if you think about it, usually the minus ability, not always, but very often the minus ability on a Planeswalker is kind of the meat and potatoes ability. Yeah. The one that's like really the reason you're playing it. Um...
1: That's an interesting way to look at it. I like that. Uh, so this deck was essentially built around the idea of just getting pure value out of blue-green. But in this case, oh, yeah. Good call.
0: Every... Oh, I thought it was going to just land oh, right me too. back on me the... Too. It got really close. <laughs> um,
1: but, yeah, you want to abuse tapping and untapping mechanics as much as possible. Uh, but the thing is you're also limited to mostly trying to play more merfolk than not. Because if you're playing cards that are just good that tap and untap, then you're not getting the real synergy out of Commander, which is what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do something with the tribal theme as well. So let's talk about our first category, which is a big one. It's tappers. So these are cards that want to tap themselves to do something important or powerful. And the number one legendary creature. It's been eroded to be a legendary creature, Merfolk, because it just oh, said right. legend back in the day.
0: I didn't even know this was a Merfolk until you played it on Game Night. It's like, that's yeah. a Merfolk?
1: Yeah. It's Empress Galena. So this was played on game nights, and had it not been board wiped, would have done a lot of disgusting stuff with my board. So Empress Galena, three blue-blue for a cre- legendary creature, Merfolk. It's a 1-3, and it says blue-blue, tap, then the colon sign, gain control of target legendary permanent. This effect lasts indefinitely.
0: Yeah, it's not like those effects where, like, if Galena becomes untapped, you lose control of it, or mm-hmm. if Galena die- leaves the battlefield. No, you just get that thing, and the only way they can get it back is through homeward path or bouncing it back to owner's hand or something right. like that um Galena's just been a very powerful card in the format yeah but i
1: didn't know she was a merfolk yeah she, she's a merfolk and in the game that we played craig had played a gaia's cradle so that is a card that i could have stolen with empress galena because it's a legendary land and i think that's really important to know it's a legendary permanent uh now cards like caracas are banned in commander because it bounces a legendary creature to its owner's hand aka everyone's commander but Empress Galena can steal everyone's commander, which means its power level is way up there as well as randomly grab stuff like the Growing Rights of Amok and all of the new legendary enchantments from Rivals of Ixalan and Ixalan. So I definitely wanted to play this in the deck because who knows, I could have stolen some other stuff maybe.
0: It has a really interesting effect on the game when you play it too because uh, even in the Game Nights episode, Mel was holding Kefnet at the time you played Galena and had to hold that card in her hand and not play it because you just steal it for free, quote unquote free. Um... And then it also caused Craig to not want to play as a comma because he was like, well, if I play it, it'll, it could just get stolen. And especially in a, like a Bant deck, is he's like, how do I get it back? Like yeah. you might have Homeward Path. Oh, maybe. a Nia deck, I mean. It's, sorry, a night deck. Yeah. You might have Homeward Path. You might have, you know, like one or two ways in your entire deck to maybe get your commander back. So that is uh, just a super powerful card. I like it all around. Very scary. Yeah. It's also very good with tapping and untapping, right? Because... You might be able to activate Galena multiple times in a turn. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, obviously this deck has, is dealing with tapping uh, your Murfolk and other creatures because of Kumana. And then, of course, it's going to have ways to hopefully untap and use that stuff again, which we saw in game nights. Uh, so with Galena, stealing like two or three th- things a turn is even possible
1: disgustingly pause. Yeah, I have her in my yeah. Tim
0: deck and she's really, really good. Oh, nice. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, okay, the next card on your list is a card that did so much work in the Game Nights episode. In fact, if I were to point to a single card that won you the game, it was this card. Yeah,
1: this may be the most important card in the deck, actually.
0: <laughs> it's so good. Um, It's called Surge Spanner. It is two blue blue for a merfolk wizard. It's a two two. It says, whenever Surge Spanner becomes tapped, you may pay one in a blue. If you do, return target permanent to its owner's hand so you capsize something every time surge banner becomes tapped you have to pay the two mana um this is just insanely powerful and repeated bounce we know because the capsize i mean mm-hmm. how many decks play capsize is very powerful in the format as a way to sort of lock one up op- or even more opponents depending on, on tapping surge banner and whatnot just out of the game just like they can never we saw on game nights craig could was in a position where he could play two things, you bounce two things, and basically time walk him every single turn.
1: Every turn. And not to mention Craig's goal was to cast a commander that now costs 11 mana, right? So he's trying to ramp it out. He's trying to use creature-based ramp and as well... It, actually, the creature-based ramp is what really got Craig because he just couldn't keep that single Somberwald Sage on the board long enough to ever tap it to use it for its mana. So, Yeah, Surge it's, Banner, pretty effective. Surge
0: banner was, did so much work.
1: It was so good. Yeah uh two other tapper cards that are just general value cards and happen to be murfolk as well are murfolk looter which you can just tap to draw and discard and enclave cryptologist which is a level up creature that you can I didn't realize this was a murfolk either. I know, right? But you start <laughs> so tapping good. the you start tapping the enclave cryptologist to draw and discard and at a certain point it just taps to draw a card. So these again are both creatures that want to be tapped and specifically want to be untapped so you can use their ability a lot later on.
0: Yeah. Cryptologist is a card that just kind of sees a lot of play because it's a one-drop that has real utility. Yeah, you, know, you
1: have to level it up a little bit. but A then, ton of utility. Yeah, now, here's good. where things get a little silly with Surge Spanner is a card called Drowner of Secrets. Uh, it's a 1-3 Merfolk wizard to tap and untap Merfolk you can control. Target player puts the top card of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So... Surge Spanner can obviously be tapped by Kumena to make her unblockable, but at the same time, you also want other cards that will be able to tap because you never want to attack with your Surge Spanner.
0: Oh yeah, that's something out. we didn't talk about with Surge Spanner. Usually, that downside you have to it has to become tapped to do its thing. Yeah, it's not there because Kumena you can just tap it to make Kumena unblockable, even if you're not going to attack with Kumena, even no, if you don't even care if it's about not that. Not your turn. You're just trying it? to tap the Surge Spanner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: so Drown of Secrets does the exact same thing, um, and then maybe in some weird one out of a hundred scenario you may actually want to try and mill someone out with...
0: You might get like an untappy combo where you're tapping Drawn of Secrets, you know, 15 times in a turn somehow with a certain synergies. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it's not cool when it happens to me, but it's cool (laughs) in theory. Um, The next one is really interesting. So it's Sea Hunter. Uh, It's a two blue blue for a human mercenary. Um, It's a human. So that's why it's interesting. You pay three and you tap it to search your library for a Merfolk card And then put that card into play, and then shuffle your library. You don't sacrifice the Sea Hunter or anything. This is the... uh, Is there even a... I'm trying to think of an analog to it. I was going to say Captain Sisse, but that's to your hand, right? Yeah. So this is tutor and cheat mana cost, right? Yep. In a deck that is good at untapping things, so you might be able to just go boom, boom, get your two best merfolk onto the battlefield.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of this deck is about, like, find, find Galena, find Surge Spanner, find basically the most powerful cards that you can uh and even though he isn't a merfolk himself he's just hunting those seas uh being able to untap it even just having this there and being able to do it once is pretty good too because the deck doesn't play that many my deck doesn't play that many tutors you could um obviously run like the whole green sun package and stuff but i wanted to keep it very thematic and very much in the world of all right well if we're gonna go for merfolk we're gonna find things that want to go for merfolk
0: yeah this card says merfolk on it so that's pretty good
1: yeah um the last card we have in the tapping category is one that has just been a consistent all-star across game nights i'd say it's one of the just best cards for commander ever made
0: (laughs) it's on the staples list now i think yeah Uh,
1: if we had to do another top 10 green list i think i'd put this on there i think I, i think i did i think we did maybe we did this episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Anyway, let us know. Cryptolith right. One and a green, it's an enchantment. It just says creatures you control have tap. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So, not only is this going to fix your mana if you're in a multicolored deck, but it also just turns every single one of your creatures into a birds of paradise, minus the flying. So good. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, it's incredibly good. Yeah. Plus, the creatures that want to, we saw on game nights, mm-hmm. things like Surge Branner that wants to become tapped, actually now taps for the mana to activate its own ability. That gets nuts.
1: Yeah, so you're tapping it, giving yourself a blue or a mana to pay for the colorless, uh, and boom, you have one and the blue, just costing one now. Usually, for the most part. The
0: Enclave Cryptologist can use its mana to level itself up. Yep, lots uh, of so good combos, so um, good.
1: Now let's talk about things that untap. And this is one of your favorite cards, actually, Kira's Follower.
0: Yeah, I love this card. It's just one. It's just a blue and a green for a two-two. You can tap it to untap target permanent. It's so good. It's permanent,
1: so permanent. That's I love seeing the word permanent.
0: This is another like almost staple card. For Simic, because, for sure. Because we, have, yeah, because we have so many mana rocks and things, even if you're not running a deck like yours, right, where you have tons of things that want to tap, so untapping and using them again, like Empress Galena, Surge Spanner, is very powerful. But even that, just your mana vaults, your Basalt Monoliths, your mm-hmm. it, more expensive, your Grim Monoliths, even Soul Ring, like those yeah. types of things, even uh, Temple of the False Gods. There's so many things in a normal deck that Kior's Follower wants to untap. Now, in this deck, you'll also want to untap all your creatures. You know... That can be, I mean, you were doing it on game nights. It I allowed you to a mana vault. Yeah. And it allowed your search manner. That was why you were being able to, to basically time walk
1: Craig every turn. Yeah. So. Sorry, Craig. That was brutal. Sakama, scary. Very you want. scary. Yeah. Uh, now let's talk about a couple of the Marrow cards. Uh, they are uh, some of my favorite untappers. So, Marrow Regery. I never know how to pronounce this. Regery? Miro Regery, yeah. Miro, You had it. You had it. Meryl. Uh, two in the blue for a merfolk soldier. It's a 2-2. Other merfolk creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So it's a lord, which is pretty sweet. But whenever you cast a merfolk spell, you may tap or untap target permanent.
0: What? It's... Uh, you know, I always forget the about the creature, tap the part. You yeah. used it to great effect on uh, right? Game Nights where you were actually like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast a merfolk, untap this thing. Then I'm going to cast another merfolk and actually tap down one of your blockers. Yeah. So I can kill get in, you.
1: Getting for the damage. Yeah, I love the Marrow cards. Uh, there's also Marrow Commerce, which is an uncommon from Lauren, And it just it's a one in the blue enchantment that just says at the beginning of your unstep, untap all Merfolk you control.
0: So It's kinda mana. like Seedborn Muse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Uh specifically for
0: creatures, but so now you get two Seaborn Muses in your deck. It's not the same, I know. It's not all your stuff. But when uh, you're tapping... I didn't
1: even play Seaborn Muse in this deck because <laughs> I didn't need it.
0: When you're tapping... You know, that way you can just like, oh, I want to draw a card. And yeah. now I'm going to untap an now oh, I can draw another card. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I like Meryl Commerce quite a bit. Um, oh, well, next one's one of my favorites also. You know, this deck tends to have a lot of my favorite stuff because untapping and untapping things is like my favorite thing in magic yeah that's why i went during game nights i don't know if you can tell if you ever cut away to me i was just jealous everything jimmy was doing i was like <laughs> i want to be doing that stuff that looks like so much fun uh so the next card is minamo school at water's edge it's a legendary land it taps for a blue or you can play a blue and tap it to untap target legendary permanent so Galena's a legend kumena obviously a legend there are some other legends in the deck and that's just like you know, basically costs you two mana to untap something.
1: Yeah, and it and it taps for blue mana as well. It comes in. It doesn't the, cost and,
0: you anything to play that over cost an anything, island, really. and it yeah.
1: comes in untapped. It's just, I mean, obviously it's low on the pricier side because it's a very good card, but yeah, it's it's very good in this deck specifically. All right, so that's sort of the tapping and untapping package. Now, obviously, you can add in more or less of these as much as you want. Obviously, we all there's a what was the cycling card that untapped from? There's one from Ket that was an untapper. Oh, yeah, the vizier Vizier of of untapping. (laughs) I'm pretty
0: sure that's what something wins, maybe. I don't know. Yeah,
1: and then there's everyone's favorite, your favorite card. It's a blue card. It untaps cards. Feet Stitcher. Fate Stitcher. There yeah, but know. it's not a Merfolk. It's not a Merfolk.
0: Seedborn Muse, I think, would be worth it in a deck like this. Yeah, That's going to untap everything. Yeah, uh, and
1: you want your lands as yeah. well for something like Surge Spanner. For instance, if I had Seedborn Muse out, that nothing would have existed on that board. We immediately lose if you ever yeah. play it. Like, <laughs> yeah. it. You bounce everything. And
0: Surge Spanner can bounce lands. Yep. That's the thing. It's permanent. So if you can Seedborn Muse with Surge Spanner and some of these combos going on, pretty easy. Just like you
1: have nothing. Not You don't even have lands. Yeah. Pretty, er, pretty er, intense. Er. All right, this next category is called Tribal Till I die <laughs> uh That was the best part of this outline so far. You <laughs> didn't good. see
0: that until just Tribal Till
1: I die <laughs> Um There are obviously tons of really amazing tribal cards that have come out in the past, I don't know, half year now, almost, almost uh, a little longer than that. And I mean, we've
0: really been in a tribal... Um, just most of a while, yeah. Era of magic, I Ixalan's think, yeah.
1: very much tribal. The last commander sure. set was very much tribal. Uh, so really exciting stuff, though, because it just gives you so much more support to do things that I think are a little more on the at the potential of sounding offensive uh, casual side of things. I mm-hmm. think tribal decks are really fun, and they're really thematic. It's not something that I would never na- ever naturally gravitate towards. Like, I built a Neheb Minotaur deck with, like, two Minotaurs in it. Um, just because it's, for me, the exciting part of the Magic isn't about playing a tribe, even even if I love that tribe. But if you are a professor out there, if you are, you know, someone that loves Merfolk or whatever tribe have you, there's going to be a lot of support for you. And one of those great cards is Harold's Horn. Oh, yeah. You you did a lot of cool stuff with this, too. This, yeah. I mean, I'm maybe I'll just play Simic every time now.
0: Now you know why I do
1: that. I yeah, it's just like you get to have turn you gotta play magic and have a real turn. You get to have those turns that everyone looks at you and goes, like, when is that person gonna be done? What did
0: you do? How many cards do you have now? How does you have yeah. a million things on your board?
1: When someone takes out their phone when you're on your turn, you know you're doing it right. Uh, so Harold's Horn's a three drop artifact. It says as Herald's Horn enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creature spells you cast of the chosen type cost one less to cast, and at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card of the chosen type, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. There are obviously lots of great reasons why this is especially good in the Merfolk deck. You want to save mana, right? If you're using Empress Galena, Surge Spanner, both these cards have you. Pay All decks extra- want to save mana anyway, like, yeah. right? Yeah. But a lot of these cards, like Uncle the Cryptologist, they want you want to be able to pay less for other things so you have more mana to put into those kinds of cards. So the upside of, of course, upkeep looking at the top card of your library, and if it's a creature, Merfolk, you get a draw, it, is really, really good, because I'd say it drew probably five or six extra cards that game from this card alone. Obviously, it was paired up with a Divining Top, which... Yeah, once you pair it up with a
0: little bit of library manipulation, it's super good. But it's even good if you just happen to have, like, 20 or 25 yeah. of a tribe in your deck, because...
1: Yeah. yeah. I've I've gone down on the rating of Scroll Rack over time, and this is the exact kind of card that I would play with Scroll Rack in a, in a Merfolk deck. Yep. Because you're actually gaining cards you your drawing cards back, and selecting, and really changing the top of your deck to fix it. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Herald Horn... From the Last Commander set, amazing. I think it's almost a must include in tribal decks now. Yeah, it has to be a must include. I, I, there might be even tribal decks that, that, that are making th-
0: like more tokens, or the cards aren't don't say the tribe, Oh, right? Like soldiers maybe wouldn't mm-hmm. want it, but like as long as you've got a, you know, like I said, I think if you're at like somewhere around twenty five of a certain tribe, then it's totally worth it because even if it's just gonna draw you a card like one in two turns, or say
1: something. even twenty, it reduces cost of creatures. Yeah, that's true. Creatures it's a really good type too. So like it does so much stuff.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of like a three mana rock. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for all your travel stuff too. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, another card you have listed under the tribal till I dieble category. I, I just want to say that. Uh C- see <laughs> Seafloor Oracle, two blue blue, two, three Merfolk Wizard. It says whenever a Merfolk you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. This is from this is new from Rivals of Ixalan. Yeah, it's Brand new from uh, it's yeah.
1: actually really exciting that they included this in there. Um, there are other cards that have this effect, but not at this cost.
0: Yeah, and also, like, this one's templated, and some of those other cards probably are, too, where if you hit with five merfolk, you draw five cards. Right. Some cards say, some cards are templated in a way where it doesn't matter how many, yeah, yeah, you you get one draw total, yeah.
1: Yeah, so this obviously is one of the great ways for, you know, and also Kumena becomes unblockable. That's what
0: I was going to say. It's pretty easy. Even if if people have good blocks, as long as you have two merfolk, you can always tap one of them to make Kumena unblockable and draw a card. Yeah, so...
1: And also maybe get in for commander damage. I don't know. I, I, there is a Voltron build of commander there, damage. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at you. Well, that's another discussion for another episode. Yeah, it's like it's like um, it's like the training wheels they give you when you first start learning EDH. Being like, this is also a thing you can do. Yeah, and you're like, it's, whoa.
0: It reminds me of nothing so much as mana burn. Well Listen, that's this is gonna be controversial. Let's not get sidetracked. We'll talk about that someday. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, the next
0: card's a card from Mixalon.
1: Yeah. Vanquisher's Banner. So another tribal card. This one is a five-drop artifact, and it says, as it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. And whenever you cast a creature spell of the chosen type, draw a card. So this is a lord-based effect. It's going to make everyone buffer. But at the same time, it's you know, it costs two mana more than the Herald's Horn, but it does just draw you cards unconditionally if you play a merfolk spell. If that's the tribe you chose. Yeah.
0: That card, it's, I think that card's actually really good. Pump your creatures, and it is it is a lot like Herald's Har- Horn, though. Yeah. Harold's Horn kind of has two modes. Ramp your stuff, draw cards. This is pump your stuff, draw cards. But the, the card draw on this is guaranteed. Yeah. Um, the next one is Distant Melody. It's three and a blue for a sorcery. It says choose a creature type, draw a card for each permanent you control of that type. So it's sort of a one-time draw a bunch of cards for four mana.
1: Yeah, this is a card that I was actually interested in testing out because it does not good on an empty board. Like, you'd rather play any 4-mana draw spell in this case. But it may work, it may not. I didn't get to play it in the game. At the best, it would have drawn me 5 cards for 4-mana, which is not amazing.
0: It's still pretty good, but yeah. yeah, I think if you draw 3 cards for 4-mana, that's harmonized. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Anything... You have to be doing that on average, though, because otherwise you just put Harmonize in your deck.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> or just put any other cards that draw cards. You would even Or blue- put,
0: like, um, yeah, Brain Geyser or something Geyser, where you can yeah, possibly... X
1: in the blue and draw yeah, way more cards, yeah. yeah so Well, it, x or blue-blue. blue, blue, blue looks, yeah. yeah. So this was definitely a card that I was just speculatively putting in there, but it is tribal, so... Uh, it does work very well, however, with this next card, which is Deep Root Waters... As uh, the two in the blue for an enchantment, it says whenever you cast a Merfolk spell, so not necessarily the creature, create a one one blue Merfolk creature token with Hexproof. So you get to pump out a bunch of little guys for every single time that you're casting a Merfolk spell. So this obviously counts towards any Merfolk enchantments that we might have in the deck. Um, it works well with the last draw card, but again, this is
0: it works well with commander.
1: Yeah, it works well with commander. It, yeah, actually it works really well with commander because when you cast her, you automatically have a creature that can make her unblockable. Um, so for that alone it may be worth it but it's tough because it also leaves you very very susceptible to board wipes if someone's like I don't like what's going on but if you
0: have enough and Kumana you draw enough cards to sort of make up for that loss yeah I, I, I like it because even if you just get three merfolk off of it through just casting your Surge Spanners and mm-hmm. Kira's followers and whatnot. You tap them with Commander to draw a card. You do that a couple times. Yeah, now they like, board wipe, you've mitigated it.
1: You're accelerating the amount of times you can use Commander's abilities with a card like this. Plus
0: with Cryptolith Rite. I think actually Deeper of Waters is really good. Um, okay, so here's a new card from Commander 2017. This is
1: going to be a staple, I think, for a lot of decks in the future. It, it seems A lot very, of tribal yeah, decks, yeah. It seems just way too powerful.
0: The problem is, I think blue is sort of light on tribal besides merfolk, right? Like, right. who's the other big sphinx? Leviilans. You don't see a lot of those. Uh, sea creatures. Yeah, but that's not one tribe. You'd have yeah. to name Kraken or Serpent or whatever. Um, okay, sorry. Uh, fairies, maybe, I guess, mm-hmm. would be one. I'm, I'm probably missing a big one. People are yelling at me right now. Sorry. Kindred Discovery is the card, though. It's three blue-blue for an enchantment. It says, as Kindred Discovery enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. I'm this one, obviously. Whenever a creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield
1: or attacks... Just attacks. No combat damage necessary. Draw a card. Woo!
0: So it does the Vanquisher's Banner thing plus the Seafloor Oracle thing. Yeah. (laughs) Except for Seafloor Oracle, you have to do combat damage. So it actually does better than that. This card's
1: ridiculous in a tribal deck. It's absurd. Yeah, it's, it's very very powerful. Yeah, I think this is an. If you're playing blue and tribal, you the, have to put this in your the deck. The only
0: decks I might tribal decks I might not play this is like a maybe not a dragon deck or something where all your stuff's big. Right. It because, just costs a ton to cast because I'm only going to cast one a turn maybe or whatever. Yeah. But in a you might cast this and then cast three murfolk the next turn. Just draw mm-hmm. three cards like
1: that alone is crazy. And then attack with whatever's on the board. Draw even more. Mena again, a very good attacker. Yep um okay next up is a just a category called simic value town this is
0: my favorite category
1: it is and i wanted all of the value to be creature based because this is obviously a creature heavy deck with all of the merfolk in there so the first card they have is path of discovery which uh, this is a
0: new one and this is going to be it's uh, an overperformer. you're going to see this a lot
1: yeah in fact if you are investing i think now is the perfect time to grab these before they start shooting up i don't know if they actually will it's just my theorizing jason don't tell me otherwise Three and a green. I, yeah, I don't think this is
0: playable in standard, so I don't think there's any reason to grab yeah. it right now, but before... Rotation? Well, I don't even know. I don't. we got to ask Jason. I don't want to give people bad information, but what I will say is I agree with you. This is going to be a big card in, in the commander format. You're going to see it in creature decks a lot.
1: Especially token decks. Now, when it says three and a green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it explores, and that's it. So exploring is a very... Oh, yeah. mechanic. Exploring lets you look at the top card of your library, and if it's a non-land permanent, you can choose to put it into your graveyard or put a plus one, plus one counter on your creature or on top of the back. If it's a
0: non-land, you always put the plus one, plus one counter.
1: Sorry, sorry. And then you get to choose to put it on top of your deck or into the graveyard. So you kind of scry,
0: but to the graveyard instead of the the bottom of your library. Which is
1: actually better in a lot of cases. In fact, I would almost always want something in the graveyard as opposed to the bottom of my deck. Yep and... Uh, if it is a land, you draw the land. You draw the land. Yeah. So, so it either
0: draws you a card or pumps your
1: creature plus Scry. Yeah. And here's the thing. If you, like, make five tokens and you just want to keep that card on top and it's a non-land, they all get plus and plus one. So it's like Cathar's Crusade almost a little bit. Um, well, not as powerful, but... At the, same, nah. at the same time, you could just start... It's good.
0: It's not Cathar's yeah. Crusade, yeah. At
1: the same time, you could start just flipping cards into your graveyard and just drawing all the lands off your deck, too. So, it's- Well, and
0: you had top deck manipulation when you yeah. play this, so he had Sensei's Divining Top, which allowed him to look at the top three cards of his library, so he could choose whether, oh, do I need a land? Then I'll draw. Then I'll put that on top and draw it. Oh, do I want a plus one, plus one counter? Or do I want to get rid of one of those cards? See, with Top, it allows you to actually get rid of the cards, because that's the thing that sort of, quote unquote, keeps Top in check, right? You mm-hmm. And why you want fetch lands. Because you you get to the point, you know, you look at it, you do it, you look at it, you do it. And by the third or fourth time you do it, you're looking at the same three cards. So you're really only looking at one new card per turn. Yeah. But if with, they're all
1: three lands or something, you want to get rid of them. Now, Path of Discovery is great for that, but usually you use your fetch lands.
0: But with Path of Discovery now, it's like, oh, I take one of those, I put them in the graveyard. And now I'm looking at a new uh, two yeah. new cards the next turn instead of one. Um, and then you, of course, did the Glenelendra thing, yes. which is... Guarantee put a plus one plus one counter on Glenelendra Archmage, and that sort of allowed the persisting to happen indefinitely, which meant we were in a situation where um, very all our windows. non-creature spells could get countered forever, yeah. barring like instant speed removal at the correct time. So Path of Discovery, I was just very impressed with it when I saw it in play.
1: Yeah, not to mention it's one of those cards that scales really well with the course of the game, because in the beginning of the game, you're going to probably want more lands. And later on in the game, it's like, you you know, like there's no worse feeling to me than drawing an absolutely useless card at like the final turns of the game. And the Path of Discovery can help you just filter those out with a consistent Scry-esque maneuver. And if you're a graveyard deck, especially like an amarin deck or something, this is really, really good.
0: And later on in the game, too, when you don't want to draw lands, Path of Discovery is kind of getting through your lands fast. Even if you're drawing them, yeah. they're just getting off your deck so that when your draw phase comes or your draw spells come, you know, you've already kind of gotten the lands out of the way. So, yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, the next one, another one you played. You played, like, your whole deck, it looks, it feels like. Well, I drew about the whole <laughs> deck, so. <laughs> um, this is another, like, sort of almost staple card. It's getting close. It's Lifecrafter's Beastiary or bestiary, or bestiary, I looked it up later, and uh, you can pronounce it a million different ways, so, yeah. yeah, they're, like, thank you, English language, yeah, thank you, uh, it's a three-mana artifact, at the beginning of your upkeep, scry one, you just do that, and then whenever you cast a creature spell, you can pay a green, and if you do, draw a card, so, all your creatures now draw you a card for one extra green,
1: and you're scrying every single turn, which is, adds up very quickly, um, it may seem a little insignificant at first, but by the end of the game, if you scry like seven to ten times,
0: it's a couple of cards.
1: Yeah, it's a couple of cards. Uh, and again, it scales with the game, right? You're going to need to know, you're going to need to have lands early, or you're going to need to have a low drop early, and you can scry towards that result and not feel so bad about being like, oh, cool, Creator of Behemoth, I did not want to draw that on turn two, you know?
0: And again, with Harold's Horn and things, you do just want to know the top of your deck. That's another thing we didn't say with Path of Discovery, you can kind of do
1: that same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, not turn two, but like turn four, maybe. Um, Okay, next up, we have Novagen, Heart of Progress. This is a really... There are two lands that we're going to talk about, and this one, uh, I've seen you use to great effect before. It's a land that you can tap to add one to your mana pool, or you can tap a green and a blue to tap it, and then put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature that entered the battlefield this turn. Not to mention, you can do this on other people's turns. For instance, if I had this out, I could have done this to your uh, your expansion of of, of (laughs) vampires.
0: They may all be 12-tiles. It would have been sweet.
1: Uh, But yeah, you know you're making tokens in this deck. You are you are creating a lot of value. You should be ramping pretty hard, too. So there's a good chance to be able to drop a lot of stuff on the board and make them all buffer and beefier.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of cards like this. There's one in for green or for orange Reef, the vast word, is that it? Um, That does only green creatures that mm-hmm. enter the battlefield. But these can be very powerful. You kind of put them out early, use them as a normal land, and then sometime in the later game, around turn 9, 10, you have a turn where For whatever reason, through Deep Root Waters or just card draw and playing a lot of cheap creatures, you put like three or four things out, and all of a sudden this land adds like five or six extra power to the board at a time no one was expecting it. Uh, Can be very good. This next one is absolutely a Simic staple, and one of my favorite cards in the format, Alchemist Refuge to land. You can tap it for a colorless mana, diamond mana, or you can tap a green, a blue, and Alchemist Refuge. And it basically gives you Vidalcan Orrery for that turn. You may cast spells this turn as though they had flash. There's a colorless version of this that's similar. It's called Winding Canyons. Yeah. But it's only creatures. This lets you turn all your sorceries into instants. I love this card so much. Yeah. I I think I just want, went, like, a couple years ago and just bought, like, 20 of them. <laughs> so. the,
1: the cost to do it isn't that bad either. Now, obviously, if you have a Dalken, or a Leyland of Anticipation in your deck, it does this effect as well. But it's still, there's almost no reason not to include this in your deck. Plus, a lot of times it just gets people. People forget to look at the lands on the board. Um, there's already so much going on in the commander game. Just being like, sorry, I'm going to give this flash and you can't do anything about it is very, very powerful. I mean,
0: once you have enough mana and you can afford to sort of be reactive, you can do the Vidalcan thing and just not do stuff on your turn right. and make the reactive plays, and that that gives you a much better chance of making the correct plays because you're not guessing what other people are going to do. You're actually seeing what they do and then responding. Right. right. Yeah, I love this card. Uh,
1: our last category is trying it out. So in hindsight, we can take a look back now at the episode of Game Nights and see which of these cards that I was trying out would have affected the game. Um, even if they weren't played, and how much they would have affected the game. So the first card is Mirage Mirror. I've been wanting to play this card forever. I just haven't drawn it yet. It's an Hour of Devastation rare. It's cost three mana and it says two pay two. Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn. So for two mana, you can copy pretty much anything on the board except for like planeswalkers or legendary or stuff. Legendary. Yeah. I mean, you can. Um, well, it's on, just not gonna. On your side. Oh,
0: that's a good point. You can. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. So actually.
1: in this game, this might have been able to copy a guy's cradle. Seems pretty good.
0: That would have been sweet. Yeah. <laughs> for it... you at certain points, I mean. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um,
1: it would have been good to copy. I think any number of my enchantments or artifacts. Um, maybe having two of a Lifecrafters B BC means you scry two every turn or something. I don't know.
0: Well, when no, because you'd have to do it. No, there's no way to do it, right? Because yeah. the beginning of your upkeep. It's well, already happened.
1: You get an automatic two free mana if you copy a uh, a mana vault with this. Yep. yep, because it's going to untap no matter what at the beginning of your next turn. Wait, is it two mana or one mana? Uh,
0: you get a free one mana because you pay mana. two and then you tap it for three.
1: Right. Um, so I think creature wise, Vorenklex would have been a pretty good target. Yeah. Uh, to at least serve up Craig's own medicine to himself. Then,
0: yeah, you'd have to do it on his upkeep, but yeah, yeah. you just do it.
1: But all your lands are going to tap for double that one time, so maybe that's the explosive turn that you need. The
0: thing about Mirage Mirror is that it's you can plan your deck so to take advantage of things, but it's also one of those cards that when you have it in play, based on what everybody else has played, there's going to be, in the moment, weird combos that pop yeah. up where like, oh, if I do this then all of a sudden like this this crazy combo is going to be put together that I never could have planned because it's based on stuff you've played and I've played. Yeah, and yeah. never in combination with each other. Yeah. And because it it's specifically because it copies lands and enchantments uh, and like the the array of stuff it can copy is so big compared to your normal clone. Yeah. Um yeah, it's a cool card. This next one you played but it was so late it didn't matter but I do think it's really good in the deck. It's harvest season. It's two yeah. and a green for a sorcery. It says search your land or sorry, search your library for up to X basic land cards, where X is the number of tapped creatures you control. And then you put those cards on the battlefield tapped and shuffle your library. Because of Kumena and Cryptolith Rite and all this other stuff you've got going on, just a bunch of creatures that naturally want to tap themselves, like Galena and things like that. You are often going to be in a situation where, you know, two and a green sorcery is Kodama's Reach, right? Mm -hmm. and what that does is put one into the battlefield tapped and one into your hand. So if you even get two basic lands into the battlefield tapped, you've already bested Kodama's Reach. That's Explosive Vegetation, two uh, basic lands into battlefield tapped. That costs four mana. So you only need two tap creatures to make this better than, and those are staple cards that most people play in a lot of green decks. It's very easy for you to get three, four, even five basic lands off this card. So I think this card is actually great.
1: And again, in a deck with Empress Galena and Surge Spanner, you're going to need a lot of blue sources if you want to satisfy those requirements. So it's, it's very helpful to be able to get those lands in some way or the other. Uh, the next card that I tried that didn't get to get played is a brand new one from Rivals of Ixalon. It's Hadana's Climb, which is a legendary enchantment that's a flip land, so it's going to flip into a legendary land. It says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Then, if that creature has three or more plus one plus one counters on it, transform Hadana's Climb. And Hadana's Climb flips into the Winged Temple of Araska. By the way, command is the Tyrant of Araska. It's a legendary land. And it says, tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Cool. But one green, a blue, tap it. Target creature you control gains flying and power or X. Exp- Sorry. Target creature you control gains flying and gets plus x plus x until end of turn, where x is its power. So it gets flying and doubles its.
0: Yeah, sort of. If it's a, I guess if it's like a four two, it would become like a eight six. But basically, doubles its power toughness. Not
1: to mention the creature that you may be doing it to may have three or more plus and plus and counters on it, so it may be a lot of buffer. Maybe unblockable because um, it's yeah the big thing for me is that yeah, this is this would have been good for Kumena. Uh, two four makes take, an excellent. Take a while though. Yeah, it, it takes a while and it's pretty slow. If you know there are a lot more plus on plus one counter synergies in the deck, you could definitely flip this the turn you play it. However, I don't know if it's entirely worth it. But the thing is, I didn't have many flyers or other creatures in the air, so this is a way to jump over that.
0: Yeah, it's, I don't it's I don't like it because it takes a long time to flip, and then, like maybe in like a a voral, deck or something mm-hmm. that's like doing that but in this deck like you don't have a lot of plus one synergy you don't really want a lot of plus one synergy even once it does flip it's not like it flips and then does something insane yeah like what's that do it costs you four mana basically because you have to tap the the land itself and three other mana four mana basically to hit them for like what five more damage yeah maybe
1: that's, that is definitely not the, the impressive yeah part about it.
0: yeah i'm not i'm not a big fan of it
1: Okay, let's head on to the final discussion of this episode, which is whether or not Kumana is, in fact, the best merfolk commander ever printed for Magic the Gathering. Now, the... Uh, the Do you
0: mean for merfolk tribal? Yes. Okay. So that's the that's Because Thrasios is clearly there. the best uh, merfolk commander
1: to use as a commander, yeah. But I think in terms of keeping it to a tribe, uh, yeah. I think Kamena is the the best. But let's take a look at the other ones in case, uh, and you're going to be surprised a lot of these merfolk, you didn't think they were merfolk.
0: Well, I didn't. The first one I clearly didn't know was a merfolk until yeah. you played it in so, the game nights.
1: Empress Galena is a legendary creature, can also be a commander. However, don't think she's that powerful being a mono blue commander that is...
0: Mono blue is the, the best mono color, mono black might be, but... It I don't means, know. I think Galena decks, I've seen one or two in play, and and they're very powerful, and they warp the game, really, because...
1: Yeah, if you're just stealing stuff.
0: They force people to play not play certain cards or have answers. It's it's a powerful deck, but it's not a Merfolk deck.
1: Yeah. Uh, having answers for her very important. Um, next up, we have the two partner commanders, which is Jorianne, Ruin Diver, and... Wait,
0: Jory N doesn't have... Um, oh,
1: you're right, you're right. Sorry, Jory N does not have partner. But Jorianne, Ruin Diver... Is a Merfolk. Was, yeah, is a new Merfolk commander that came out, which is whenever you cast your second spell each turn, draw a card... Eh, no thanks.
0: I've never even seen one of these decks because you know why? It's not that good. It's not
1: that good. And yep. then there's also Thrasios, Titan Hero, which uh, Josh loves, obviously, in his uh, Vile Smashers deck.
0: This is a top tier commander. This is a tier one commander. When, partner, when paired with something yeah. else. It's, it's just, just such a good effect. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's, yeah, But it's not a Merfolk deck. It's a, like If yeah. you play a Merfolk in that deck, it's just coincidence. You don't care about Merfolk right. as a type, yeah.
1: Uh, Kopala. Now, this would be a merfolk deck. Yeah, this would be a merfolk deck, but it is mono blue. It's one blue blue for a 2 2. Spells your opponent cast that target a merfolk you control cost two more to cast, and abilities your opponents activate that target a merfolk you control cost two more to activate. So, it's like trying to stack stop people from targeting or casting spells that target your merfolk, but. It's a mono blue commander that doesn't do anything otherwise.
0: And that's just not an ability you really want in the format because most of the removal is in the form of board wipes, which this doesn't protect you against. Yeah. Not that there's no targeted removal, it's just people aren't packing a ton of it. Because especially against a tribal deck, you're not looking to spot remove things. You're looking to be like, you got no board now, because that yeah, you, exactly. you know you blew up and had 17 things, and that's scary.
1: Kapala feels like it was meant for standard and meant and for modern one play. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, another Merfolk, a al- Merfolk ally is Noyandar, Royal Shaper. It's a 4-4.
1: This is the one that surprised me. I was yeah, like, Wait, for three
0: white-blue. I've thought for a while about building a Noyandar deck in one of my, like, hidden commander style because you really want green in this deck. Uh-huh. It says, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may put three 1-1 one, one counters on target land you control. If you do, that land becomes a zero, 0 elemental creature with haste that's still a land. So it starts turning your lands into creatures every time you cast an instant or sorcery. That's a very powerful ability. It's just not in the correct colors. And I think, that's, I think if Noandar was in green then it would be extremely powerful because now you're casting Kodama's reaches uh-huh. and explosive vegetations and sky shroud claims and creating creatures when you do it. So, you know, ramping and making creatures is good. Yeah. Um, so they were smart not to put it in green, basically. Uh, Thank goodness. But this is not a merfolk deck.
1: No, it's, it is its its own deck. And I think knowing dark decks are really fun because you obviously put your dark steel citadels in there and make yeah. indestructible creatures out of them. Uh, a lot of fun. Okay, uh, the next deck is... Def. next commander is 100% of the deck. It's Prime mm-hmm. Speaker Zagana. Did not realize she was a merfolk. She costs two green, green, blue, blue for a legendary creature merfolk wizard. It enters the battlefield with X plus one, plus one counters on it where X is the greatest power among other creatures you control. And then when Prime Speaker Zagana enters the battlefield, draw cards equal to its power. Here's the thing about Murfolk, If you were to make this a Murfolk deck, they don't their power toughness doesn't go above like three or four.
0: No, the Prime Speaker Zagana deck is not built around Murfolk at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a good deck because it draws a ton of cards, but it, it doesn't care whether a, a creature is Murfolk or not. It just wants you know. Yeah. It wants big creatures, really. Um, the next one is there's two Sig's. There's Sig River Cutthroat and Sig River Guide. Spoiler alert: the professor. The professor. When he came into town with Wedge, we shot two episodes. One was the episode you saw, which was with um, Iconic Masters. It was sort of a multiplayer sealed format. But we shot another episode of us playing Commander with our own Commander decks, and Prof played his Sig River Guide deck, which is a Murfolk tribal deck. Um, well, that's all I'm going to give away for now. That, that, that episode will be coming out down the line, but it's probably a, a few weeks off yet. Well, mm, maybe a couple it's months off. Yeah,
1: let's see if it's better than Kamino.
0: It's Sigri River Guide. It's a white and a blue. Two mana for a 2-2 legendary Merfolk wizard. Has Island Walk. You can pay one and a white and target Merfolk you control. Gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. That's a pretty powerful ability. It makes things unblockable, hard to remove.
1: I would have loved to have had this in the Commander deck, but it is not in the same
0: color. Yeah, because it has white. I think before um, before Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan, Merfolk were basically... In blue, mostly, and then white was sort of the next best color. I think right. green's probably into the next best color now. But up until then, Sig probably was. And we should say, when Prof came to town, this was before uh, Rivals was out. So he, he no didn't idea. have this choice to play this commander. but Or he didn't have a choice to play um, uh Kumena, Kumena, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think this is actually probably the
1: second best so far. So Merfolk far, yeah. Commander, definitely. yeah.
0: It's still not amazing, but
1: this might might be around there. It's Sig River Cutthroat. So Sig has had two iterations. This one costs two Demir Mana symbols, so it's blue, black, blue, black. So it's either blue, 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 black, or black, black, or blue, blue. Did I say blue, yeah. Uh, it's a one three. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Legendary Murfolk Rogue. At the beginning of each end step, if an opponent lost three or more life this turn, you may draw a card. So obviously incentivizing you to make opponents lose life, but it's the beginning of each end step. So this could happen up to four times around the table every single uh, rotation, which is pretty cool.
0: I think a big problem is just the colors. It's yeah. in blue-black, and so you're just cutting yourself off from... I guess you could probably build a mono-blue Morfolk deck anyway, so the black would just be kind of gravy, and it would be your board wipes and your removal yeah. and a couple of Morfolk... Honestly, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't... But you can only draw one card. I guess you're right. Other players' turns. So.
1: Yeah. I would play a deck that just makes people attack each other, not necessar- and Sega's just there to gain me card value. True. Maybe.
0: Thing is, it can make them want to attack you, too, so True.
1: that they're not losing life and
0: drawing you cards. I'll just hit you, then you don't draw a card. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, the next one is a Craig Blanchett favorite. I did not know this was a merfolk. Talran <laughs> Sky Summoner. Two blue blue for a legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you create a 2-2 blue drake creature token with flying. So you get 2-2 two, two flyers when you cast instants or sorceries. Not a Merfolk commander, but it is a Merfolk. This is a very strong card in a good deck, but it's not a Merfolk deck.
1: It's an absurdly strong card in the good deck, in the right deck, because it just wants to counter everything. It's like the most oppressive deck you can play, I think. One of the more oppressive decks you can play is Talrand. Um, but definitely that not a Merfolk and Baral. deck. Yeah, I was just, again, I was like, I can't believe this person's a Merfolk. Thada Adele is our next uh, Acquisitor, our next Merfolk. It's a 1 blue-blue for a 2-2. Two, two. It has Island Walk, so it can't be blocked as long as the defending player controls an Island. Whenever Thada deals combat damage to a player, search that player's library for an artifact card and exile it. Then that player shuffles their library. Until the end of the turn, you may play that card. So you can steal soul rings. You can steal lotuses. You can steal all sorts of powerful artifacts from your opponent's deck. Uh, it has to deal combat damage. So you're most likely going after people that have islands in play. Yeah, because
0: it's got Island island Walk.
1: But there's nothing about this that says Merfolk, to me Mm. at least.
0: No, and you don't... Yeah, I don't think that deck wants Merfolk. It wants ways for Thada to, you know, get in for damage and, you know, ways to... um, I don't know what else that deck wants. I guess if you're getting in for damage like that, you want Voltrani stuff. Yeah, I mean,
1: stuff. like, you, you, maybe you play Tinkers and stuff. Well... Can't play Tinker. You can't play Tinker. Maybe you play artifact-esque dis- spells. I played against a thought of the doubt deck once, and it really was so reliant on the other people's decks that it didn't feel like it had very much of its own game plan. It still did perform very powerfully.
0: Very 75% theory.
1: Yeah, very much.
0: Uh, the next one I played on game nights, it's Tashana.
1: Voice of Thunder! Thunder. <laughs> Da,
0: that. It's seven do, do, do. mana, five green-blue for a Merfolk Shaman. Its power and toughness is equal to the number of cards in your hand. You have no maximum hand size, and when Tashana enters the battlefield, you draw a card for each creature you control. Um, but not Merfolk. <laughs> right. If I mean, it said draw a card for each way, Merfolk, I think that would be a Merfolk Commander. But yeah. this one, you know... If you guys watch that episode, I built it as an elf deck because yeah. to me they were way better at ramping into Sh- Tasha and having a lot of uh, creatures on the board than Merfolk yeah, were. Yeah,
1: you drew like eight, ten. T- I cards. think ten cards yeah. Yeah. from yeah. Tasha that one turn. So I yeah. played
0: it since and drawn like upwards of twenty cards with it. You oh know? my gosh! Where you just like play a million things,
1: draw twenty cards, keep playing stuff. It's great. Well, here's another very powerful commander, but is not. There's a lot of Merfolk. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I was when I was looking through, I was like, that can't be that many legendary Merfolk. Boy, was I wrong. It's Voral of the whole clade One green-blue for a dude with a lot of abs. It's a 1-4. Uh, those are some huge abs, Yeah, too. he's got like a 20-pack on that thing. Even the decoration behind him looks like he's got he's, abs on he's it. He's starring in the next 300. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> legendary Creature Human Merfolk. Uh, for a green and a blue, you can tap him to, for each counter on target artifact, creature, or land, put another of those counters on that permanent. So he's like a very specific way to increase counters on artifacts, creatures or lands um it's a It's a good card in very specific decks Maybe Josh Kim is- has
0: a voral deck that's yeah. really good um, yeah, and he's just
1: pumping up stuff constantly in that deck but, but he's
0: using like artifacts that put charge counters on and you know yeah. stuff that is very expensive to get a counter onto a lot of math yeah, a lot of math, a lot of accounting, but it's not a, it's not a Merfolk deck yeah okay, you've sold me kumana best Merfolk commander in edh ever. Yeah, I think Sig River Guide is probably second. Yeah, and then maybe Sig River Cutthroat after that.
1: But again, they don't say Murfolk on them well, necessarily.
0: River River Guide and Cutthroat. Oh no,
1: Cutthroat doesn't. River Guide does. Yeah. Copala is the only other one that really cares about Murfolk, right? Yeah. In that case, we're just going to go off pure power. If I was to say the most powerful creature that is a Murfolk,
0: it goes against
1: Thrasios or maybe Dar even or Talrand. I
0: Thrasios, think. not close. <laughs> This is tier one, man. He's ridiculous. He needs a buddy. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's so you, good. Even if that? you just played him by himself, I think he's still amazing because you yeah. just have to create infinite mana then you win. You win the game. You automatically win. All right, to the listeners, what do you think about Kumena? Are there any other best Merfolk commander? Maybe any we missed or do you think one of these ones we did talk about is better? Is better, yeah. Are there any cards we missed? How would you build the deck?
1: I would like to know. Uh, I definitely think I could have put more shenanigans for untapping and tapping and really focus on getting cards like Surge Spanner out and then just recurring them over and over again, protecting them, recurring them, and just building them. It felt like you were doing
0: there. a lot of that, though.
1: Definitely not recurring them. I don't have much, like, get it back from the graveyard, True. for example. So, like, I think you could build in a little more protection, more counter spells, And, and green can... has,
0: like, e-witness, regrowth, yeah. that kind of stuff. I think so. if you
1: really want to make this deck the best it can, you would just focus on only getting Surge Spanner, Galena out and making sure they can never get removed and just cap, you lock. basically capsize everybody out yeah make an infinite mana capsize search spanner tap infinite deck or something yeah
0: sorry i was using capsize as a short for for um search banner yeah
1: but hey if you want to buy any of the cards that we talked about today and there are some really good ones in there path of discovery awesome card go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone again they're the sponsor for this show we're very grateful to them for years of great service and they will provide you with some awesome service as well with some of the best and fastest shipping in the industry
0: And you can also find all the Ultra Pro product there or at your local LGS, um, pretty much anywhere in the world. Ultra Pro, they make the deck boxes, they make the sleeves, they make the play mats, they make all the cool accessories that go along with the Game of Magic, and it's fun to be able to sort of theme out your stuff. So Ultra Pro, by buying their products, you're supporting the show and supporting Game Nights. We do appreciate it. All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of Magic. I have something cool. So i uh, got something cool, Josh. A couple months ago, maybe longer than that, I talked about a podcast called Up and Vanished, mm-hmm. which was a popular podcast at the time. About a there was a documentary filmmaker who was actually doing one of these like investigative reporting of a cold case, um, and he actually helped solve that case. It was like the the biggest That's unsolved old. case in the history of the state of Georgia or something. Oh, gosh. And through his podcast, they actually arrested and I believe. I don't know if it's all, it's gone all the way through trial or whatever, but pretty sure they solved that case. And now he's moved on to another case, and he's got a new podcast, and it's called Atlanta Monster. And this is a story I hadn't heard anything about. It happened in the late 70s. And it was about a bunch of – it was about a time period where a bunch of kids in Atlanta were going missing and then turning up dead. So there was a serial killer loose in Atlanta. And, and we're talking about like 30, like a large number of kids. And I – wow. And I'm trying to remember based on the show if Payne Lindsay has ever said this, but I get the impression that this case was never solved because that's like how he did the last case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he, kids. so he's looking at this case, looking at all the evidence, interviewing all the people, again, like he did for his last podcast and trying, I think, to get to the bottom of maybe who the suspects or who maybe was responsible for, for this crime or this series of crimes. And it's just, it's very highly produced, very well done stuff. Um, if you like serial. Yeah. If you liked Up and Vanish, Atlanta yeah, if you Monster. like
1: investigative journalism. Yeah. it's awesome. So, that's it. That's the end step. You know what else is awesome?
0: <laughs> You're setting me up and I missed it? Nah, that's okay. That's my bad.
1: I tried. <laughs>
0: I tried. <laughs> you know what else it goes? You you know know. Know. The Masters of Modern Podcasts. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic how's that even possible
1: (laughs) (laughs) if you're listening josh threw a piece of beer back and it got stuck in a crevice of a cabinet and it's just hanging there
0: totally on purpose on purpose totally did that on purpose um masters of modern our good friends alex ben check them out if you like the modern format or if you're interested in learning a little bit about modern because we have some pro tours coming up yeah and there's gonna be some events and those guys know their stuff so you can find them right next to us at collected.company. You can search for Master of Modern on iTunes, Stitcher, all
1: your podcast apps. You can also follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. And hey, if you want to uh, give some thanks out to our editor, Terry Robertson, he does all the editing for the show. You can find his work at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Command Zone podcast. And of course, you're listening to it right now. So you can check out the video versions or the audio versions, whatever you may please. And as always, a big thank you to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG for doing the opening and closing animations of the podcast. Oftentimes, the animation's behind us as well that we have. For Look game
0: how, G- yeah, Jeffrey did this one. Look how good this one is. This is one of the I uh, forget the water what it's looks called, amazing. but it's one of right, the yeah. sort of dual lands uh, coming to play tap dual lands um, from Rivals. Yeah. So Jeffrey does some amazing stuff. Thank you, Thank you, Jeffrey.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Josh. Thank
0: all of you Thank for you, watching guys. and listening.
1: Make sure you check out the last game Nights episode. It is a good one.
0: Yeah. Because I won. I hope you did stop and check it out. Otherwise, well, I guess. There just won't be as much drama if you already know. Oh, man. Here's what I want to know. know, Here's what I want (laughs) to know. Yeah, here's what I want to know. There was a big decision point for me in that game when I had a bajillion vampires out. If you've watched it, you know. Um, If you haven't already, I would love to hear people weigh in on what they think uh, of the decision I made. Was I right? Was I wrong? This is something I think we can... We we need to dedicate a segment of the show to yeah. that to that moment when there's of these a days. lot
1: of game theory that goes around that decision too, and I love seeing the comments so far on YouTube. It's like the least toxic the comment section has ever been because people are actually sitting there debating and civilly talking about what they would have done in in and scenario.
0: One of the really interesting things about that scenario is that usually you do this, and there's a side of it that most people are on, mm-hmm. you know, or at least like 80 oh, percent of people think. This is like not clear-cut at all. As yeah. you go down the comments, you're like, man, it's still 50-50 after reading everything. Yeah, I... yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, check that out. Um, I have no good way to wrap up from here. I guess we just <laughs> say
1: goodbye and see you next time, right? Oh, peace. What was this? <laughs> Remember, bye. I'm saying
0: bye now by saying high five because I'm scared bye. of how.
1: <laughs> you can do this. You can... I am not a crook.
0: For your attention, for further inquiries, send an email
1: to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>